God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. That's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to the Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And, uh, you know, um, President uh, Biden, 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 the Biden administration, the Biden puppet is over in NATO. And uh, they're trying to figure out what to do. But, you know, I can't help but think that this is just, you know, an enormous uh, ruse and uh, a trap for uh, Putin. That's my uh, thoughts on that. You know, the same people that would like for us to join their fight are the same people that have been screwing us, you know, basically just giving us the shaft for a long time. This is a push for globalism. This is a war between globalism and nationalism. But see, you know, like, I've always had a a little bit of a concern about a French candidate named Marie Le Pen. And her ideology was nationalism. And you say, well, Trump was nationalism, and Trump was populist, and he was a populism in the populism and nationalism. But he was a capitalist and he was a federalist as well. He was about decentralized government. He was about American patriotism and American pride, but there's a big difference between someone like a nationalist socialist and a nationalist populist or a capitalist. And so Hitler was really, you know, that's why they tried to, tie Hitler with Trump because it was this love of country, this America first policy. And people would say, people would say that uh, there was a similarity there, but, but that's where it ends. You know, Hitler was a Democrat. Hitler was a socialist. Hitler was a communist. Hitler was also a nationalist. 
And that's one of the problems, you know, you, you we see with Boris Johnson. He's a bit of a nationalist. That's great. People like nationalism. I do. Even if it's Boris Johnson in support of the UK, I like the fact that we know where people stand. I don't like traitors and backstabbers and snakes and people that talk out of both sides of their mouth. At least, you know, you know, when you have an adversary that's a straight shooter, at least you know where they stand. They don't play games. I think that's a lot better. So Marie Le Pen, you know, she's a French radically conservative. Well, she was conservative, but she's really kind of a socialist. But she's conservative for French, uh, the French politics. Because Hulan was a socialist, Macron was a socialist who worked for him in finance, worked for Hulan. And, uh, and then you have Marie Le Pen, who's somewhat conservative, but not really. It's the wrong breed of a brand of conservatism. And it might be good in the short term, but in the long term, it tends to have its difficulties and problems. Well, where we are with this conflict is that we have a bunch of socialist, liberal, globalists. You know, when we heard Biden talking about uh, a liberal new world order, you know, he was talking about a reset, and then decades later, now we're in a new world order. And he really means it's a liberal new world order. And when he goes over there, all those people that are sitting around the table discussing the outcome are really advancing the ball on what uh, is at stake and what, what play they're going to make next. It's kind of interesting, though, that the head of the Croatia... Prime Minister, uh, so th- this uh, Prime Minister of Croatia says about Prime Minister Trudeau in recent months under your quasi-liberal boot, this is Mislav Kalaskuski, a member of Parliament, um, he's a member of Parliament from Croatia. Okay, this is what this is. And he basically says Prime Minister Trudeau in recent months under your quasi-liberal boot, Canada has become a symbol of civil rights violations. The methods we have witnessed may be liberal to you, many citizens around the world. It seemed like a dictatorship of the worst kind. So, you know, these socialist globalists are just as bad as communists, is my point that I'm driving home here, is that what we used to be afraid of in the spread of communism in Vietnam, and we went to war as a result of that, uh, we're, we're now faced with another siege, a plague of its same breed, which is this spread of globalism, this absolute uh, insistence on control of your life. And this time, it's done with the internet, it's done with uh, a larger amount of people. It's done with wealthier corporations. They control markets in a way that's never been controlled before. We're not talking about the Astors and the Morgans and the Rockefellers. We're talking about 
BlackRock and Vanguard, and we're talking about the pharmaceutical companies. We're talking about pandemics that can literally bring in more money than you've ever seen in your life. And COVID was a good example of that. Today, we want to talk a little bit about the bioweapons in Ukraine, the threat that that poses to Russia, and also uh, the actual war itself. And then we want to talk about uh, Katanji Brown. Uh, there's a lot we could talk about. I have uh, so much, so many different audio clips I would like to share with you. Probably won't get to them all. Uh, Tucker Carlson had a couple of good opens in the last two days. Um, I wrote this. I put this uh, meme out there, and it says, Globalism, what we were told it was, or what we were told it is, and what it really is. And there's two pictures, and the pictures are, you know, reflective of the song, We Are the World, you know, with Michael Jackson and all these other great uh, music artists. We are the world. And they would hold hands and they, around the world, and it was just one world, one utopia, one globalism. Well, that was all part of a political push. We were probably too naive to even sort of get it at the time. I never liked it. I never bought into it. I thought it was a, a bit of a farce, out of touch with reality. And I never really even loved the song. And and then I never liked that AIDS to Africa and the U2 movement uh, into Africa. And, you know, ain't going to play Sun City and apart, uh, all that stuff about apartheid. It turns out that once South Africa became, you know, uh, got new leadership that reflected, say, the skin color of its own people, it got worse. Not better, actually. You know, and it was interesting that Obama's brother, George, a uh, half-brother or brother in Kenya, said this, the countries that did the best were the ones that were influenced by colonialism, not the other way around. So it was kind of an interesting little thing to say that. As a Native American Indian, you know, it's kind of unusual for me to say that because I look at the pilgrims as colonialists, right, that uh, colonialism. But in any case, you know, and so therefore, you know, I always, uh, uh, as a Native American Indian, I always think about Thanksgiving, you know, and what, what, what are we celebrating this day for, right? Giving thanks. But, uh, you know, of course, we adapt and we also accept and we move on. We're not looking backwards for reparations. We're looking forward for opportunities. You know, that's the difference between a conservative and a, and a liberal, for example. You know, no sense crying over the spilled milk. I mean, what's done is done. You win fights and you lose fights in the playground and in the world and in the way of, ways of life. You know, sometimes you get a black eye. Sometimes you dust yourself off, pick yourself up and move on. And don't let ego get in your way. There's a lot of people that have lots of humbling experiences they can tell stories about. 
I wrote this. So I told you about the meme, you know, where there's one picture reflecting a utopia, we are the world, kind of holding hands, whatever. And then what you're real, what it really is, is a globe with a bunch of men in dark suits that are basically negotiating deals that make them rich, that ensure their wealth, but also control people. They'll move people around the world. They'll help certain people and let other people die, and so on and so forth. And there's a lot, just like uh, when we listened to Farage yesterday, talking years ago about what he knew was going to be coming down the pike. And um, with regard to Ukraine, he said, we should really be helping where it really matters, helping these impoverished countries develop. You know, you teach a person to fish, they eat for a lifetime. This aid that Fauci was always about. Now we look back and know what a, what a, you know, that's the other thing about time. One of my favorite movies was All the President's Men. And I used to watch it over and over again. I love that movie. I thought, I want to be a journalist like Woodward and Bernstein as a kid. And then I realized, and I met Carl Bernstein, and and, uh, I've been in the room with Woodward and stuff like that. And I've seen them on TV, and I've realized what wackadoodles these guys are, what what Kool-Aid drinking libtards they are. They're They're just unbelievable. And what they did with regard to the Ukraine call, and it's worse than Watergate, and the way they were prancing around CNN and MSNBC during the Russian hoax. I mean, it was just a bunch of crap. And I realized what scum these guys are. They're just scumbags. The people that wrote for the Washington Post back then. And and Nixon was the victim of that torture. Just like Trump was. Because Nixon wasn't supposed to get elected and neither was Trump. And he didn't represent and reflect the, the inner workings of Washington. And the people, you know, when they accuse uh, Nixon of spying on the Weather Underground or Black Panthers, it was really actually Mark Felt from the FBI that was doing that. Because Mark Felt's daughter was in a group like the Weather Underground in some cult. And you know she was basically um she was basically doing all of that and um i wanted to mute my ipad and i don't know where the mute button is on that thing but in any case so there is that there is this uh you know and i've i've compared on this show watergate to the russian hoax and i know i'm right about it that was a Democrat operation against a sitting Republican who won in a landslide a second term. And they wanted to get rid of him before it was too late. And they got rid of him because the way they were going to get rid of him, the strategy was to get him on obstruction. And that's exactly what they did. They were never going to get him on the crime of burglary. They were going to get him on the cover-up. And Trump was aware of that. And Trump said, the cover-up is worse than the crime. you got to be careful about the cover-up. 
So I choose not to get involved. Because even if I put my fingerprint on the cookie jar, they're going to get me for stealing cookies. Even if all it was was that I just looked at it, they're going to get get me on it. That's how nasty the Democrats are. Look at how nasty the Democrats were against Kavanaugh and against um, Amy Coney Barrett. And look at the kid gloves that we have to dance around with. Um, with regard to Katanji Brown Jackson. And they did that on purpose, you know, black woman, how could you dare could you pick on her? That's the third rail of politics. You can't possibly go there and be tough on her. So she's going to get a lenient experience because of her skin color and her gender. Just like Leah Thompson did or Thomas did, uh just like Rachel Levine does all these people based on their, you know, I think inappropriate decisions in the case of Leah Thompson and, and Rachel Levine, but who am I to say, do I have a right to even say that? Do I even have a right to say that anymore? Or am I going to be some sort of a homophobe, xenophobe, whatever? I'm by far not a homophobe or a xenophobe. <clears throat> and neither was Trump. Neither was Trump. His attorney, Roy, Roy, uh, oh, uh, well, his attorney from the 70s, um, Roy Cohn. Roy Cohn, he was gay. He died of AIDS, actually. And he was Trump's attorney. A really tough attorney, too. And Trump, you know, was adored by black people all around the world. And yet, you know, and even Obama said he's an aspiration, be more like Trump. Of course, politics changes everything. And that's the problem that we're in right now, is it's all about power and control. It's all about uh, an ideology. And right now, the ideology is globalism. Back in the 60s, we put a stop to communism because we didn't. We knew that the spread of communism was going to be bad for America. Well, now America leadership is just as bad as communism. And we are guilty of spreading globalism around the world. And somehow we're told that it's a better way and it's a better day when globalism rules the world. You lose your votes. The reason why they're opening the borders is because in a globalist new world order, borders don't mean anything. This is what they did in Europe with the European Union. They gained power, but they took away the borders and they lost their identity. They lost their culture. They lost their nationalism. They lost their patriotism. They even lost their recruitment for their military. Because what's left to fight for? If you're not fighting for a country, because you can't have a country without borders, let's just stipulate that, then why would you join the military to defend what? What would you possibly then have left to defend? I tell that little story about how radical Islamic jihadis migrated into London, voted for Amir Khan, they don't even know who the Beatles are. 
They don't know who Benny Hill is. They don't know who Monty Python is. They don't know what it's like to drink a pint of beer down at the pub. So where's the identity in London anymore? Do you even want a vacation there? Are you going to see the red buses, the double-deckers? Or are they going to be gone too? Why don't you just go to, you know, Bangladesh or somewhere else? Because that's about what London has become. It's absolutely crazy. You know? Go to the Middle East. Go to Africa. Go somewhere else. Because everybody's from everywhere. It doesn't even matter where you go. Where's the identity? Where's the culture? Where's the nationalism? And that's exactly what globalists are trying to do. They're trying to tear down your history. Because the history means that you had a country one day. They want to tear down those statues. They want to open up those borders and flood your population with a demographic that you don't even recognize anymore. You've walked into some sort of other world. And they stole it from you, right out from underneath. You didn't pay them to do that service for you. You paid them to build a bridge. You paid them to keep you secure. But you did not pay them to just whitewash your entire existence. And that's what globalism is. I wrote this. I said, liberal globalists who use Black Lives Matter and Jesse Smollett to call you a racist. And they did that, didn't they? They used Antifa to call you a fascist. They used climate change to regulate you and control you. They used COVID to control you, to put a mask on you, to throw a jab in your arm, to tell you to stop working, to tell you to keep your distance, to ban you from getting on a plane or going back to school or getting your job back if you didn't comply with their demands, Fauci's demands, which we now learn don't even work that well. They rigged your elections. They used big tech. They told big tech to censor you and shut you up. And all the work you put into building out your social media, gone in a second. They rigged your elections. They took away your energy, causing crushing inflation. They opened your borders to support corporate slave labor access and import illegal votes. And now they want you to join them in their fight against communist Russia, against Vladimir Putin? Patriots never supported communism, Putin or Russia. I'll say that again. Patriots, Trump supporters, never supported communism. They never supported Putin. They never supported Russia. But they also never supported liberal globalism in search of a new world order either. And they're not about to start now. They're not about to start now. They're not going to start now. This disinformation, who to believe? The lying media, the media that has lied to you, that told you you're a conspiracy nut job for actually believing that somehow the Hunter Biden laptop was real? 
They censored the oldest newspaper in in America, the New York Post. They banned you on social media if you actually ran an article that said anything about Hunter Biden. Which is, in essence, rigging an election in and of itself. That level of censorship where only half the truth is coming out. It's like the prosecutor. It's like a grand jury indictment. You can indict a ham sandwich. So we elected one. Yeah, that's right. The guy sitting over there in Brussels today is nothing, not smarter than a ham sandwich. About as brain dead as a ham sandwich, too. And that's what we're faced up against right now. America, a country as great as America, a country that elected a guy like Ronald Reagan and Donald Trump has a ham sandwich for a president right now representing us in a time of war. And he's talking about being part of a new world order, taking his marching papers from the lords that pay him and his son. It's absolutely absurd. So there's this article over on E-Prime Feed. It uses some uh, Reuters sources. It says, Zelensky found a billion dollars and a villa in Miami. And it talks about, it is this, so so it it talks about the uh, oligarchs. So it says, as it turned out, Zelensky himself can help ordinary Ukrainians and replenish the uh, Ukrainian budget if, for example, he transfers $1.2 billion to to the public treasury. So the Nesgar Telegram channel, which often publishes sensational information, has published information about the financial situation of Ukrainian President Zelensky, who tirelessly implores his Western partners for various kinds of material help. It is this is this amount, $1.2 billion, that is in Zelensky's account at the Costa Rican branch of Dresner. And it was accumulated, as it turned out, through monthly installments that reached the account of the president of Ukraine from the three philanthropists, Ukrainian oligarchs Akhmedatov from First Union Bank, Pinchok from Deutsche Bank, and Kolomoisky from a bank in Paris. The investigators managed to get acquainted not only with the timing and volume of cash receipts in Zelensky's account in Costa Rica, but also with some of the expenses of the Ukrainian president. So from this account in the United States, they transferred $34 million to buy a villa in Miami. British jewelry housecraft received about 80000 which seems modest in the context of real estate spending. The head of the Zelensky apparatus is this guy named Andrea, Andrei uh, Yermak, also has a decent amount of in the same bank. The balance in his account is about $56 million. Former Ukrainian Prime Minister Yatsenyuk also keeps considerable sums there. So it's a slush fund. 
And you know what else is uh, uh, being learned? People, oligarchs, are leaving the country. And they're, one of the biggest things that's happening in Ukraine is people are getting stopped at the border with truckloads of cash. This poor country, right? Truckloads of cash. People are billionaires coming out with like trunkfuls of cash. And it's it people are like where that that's all that's all like American taxpayer dollars that are going into the country and paying out oligarchs for political favors and muscle. And it's laundering as well. So there's that. So it's absolutely crazy. It's absolutely ridiculous. Then there's the bioweapons. So the bioweapons are kind of interesting. So Ukrainian biolabs linked to EcoHealth Alliance, which helped create and unleash COVID-19. Um, so the articles by Ethan Huff, cross-posted from Natural News, tells a very different story from the official narrative coming out of Washington. The web of lies surrounding the Pentagon-run biological weapons laboratories in Ukraine and elsewhere continues to unravel with new evidence showing that Peter Daszak's... Now, Peter Daszak's with EcoHealth Alliance, and he was connected... He got funding from Fauci, and he then took that money uh, that EcoHealth received and invested heavily in the Wuhan lab. And they had the same arrangement here. So I'm going to say some names that you never, you probably have never heard before, but you're going to hear them today. So showing that Peter Zazik's Echo Health Alliance is also involved, along with the Metabiota Biota <coughs> Eco Health Alliance is a long partner, longtime partner of the United States Agency for International Development, that's USAID, which has been funding its bioweapons operations in Af Africa and elsewhere. Now, remember, it's the reason why I talked about Africa, AIDS to Africa, we are the world, and I talked about you two early in the beginning because I'm driving that point that during the AIDS epidemic, which Fauci was involved, and beyond that, there is this USAID to Africa and from what I understand, too, is that that money went to Africa and it also ended up in Ukraine. And uh, I remember reading uh, stories where Marie Yovanovitch was involved in these types of transfers. And uh, so there was an interesting thing where they were using it basically as a slush fund. So... Along with Metabi Metabiota, that's, well, I'll spell that for you, Meta, M-E-T-A, Biota, B-I-O-T-A, Metabiota, Metabiota, uh, and Echo Health Alliance is a longtime partner of the United States and USAID, which is run by Fauci, which has been uh, funding its bioweapons operations in Af Africa and elsewhere. Now, remember also that we talked about it um, Fauci was connected with the Department of Defense. The Fauci was also connected. Uh, that's why I was saying that Fauci was the perfect person to hire. If you're the Pentagon and you're the Department of Defense and you want to 
procure bioweapons. Uh, but you don't want to do them here in the United States because it, you, it violates certain laws. You could outsource it through third-party NGOs, non-government uh, organizations, and funnel the money to a lab and achieve the same objective in a cooperative effort. And in this case, the Pentagon was working with China, which is what, uh, in in terms of COVID, Wuhan, and and uh, Bill Gates was involved because remember he, he had the uh, the two thousand the two thousand one project uh, was uh, in in October of two thousand nineteen the. Uh, he had the pan, he held a big event in New York. It was the 201 event. That's what it was, event 201. And it was the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation financing uh, what actually happened, which was that a pandemic would start. And they were basically doing a drill. And all these people got together at event 201. Look it up, event 201, Bill Gates. And you'll see that uh, connection that in October, November, December of 2019, they were working on exactly what happened to the world in January 2020, if not even earlier. Really, the virus uh, was became known in August, September, from what I understand, uh, in 2019. That's debatable, but... It was a lot earlier than what people think. And the event 201 tells me that this was more than likely organized and intentional, therefore malicious, and done for a reason. What was the reason? Who knows? Profit could be money. It could be uh, population control. It could be uh, climate initiatives, and it, it could also be uh, uh, just to uh, control people with the social credit score system. It could be all of those things, but there's no downside for the globalists who launched this. There's no downside for them. Where's the downside? They profit. They get a return on their investment. We, we played audio clips from Bill Gates and talking about the 20% return on investment that he gets with his billions of dollars that he invests in vaccines. And he predicted that vaccines was going to be a big year. And Fauci predicted that we're likely to see a pandemic in the next 24 months. So we got all this on tape. These fools slip because they're trying to communicate these words and these thoughts and these motives to their peers in these speeches and believe me, these speeches, some of these speeches are in small rooms. They don't really think on a global scale that this is going to come back to bite them. But but it does. Because it reveals their intentions. It reveals what they knew ahead of time. And, and uh, they're sinister. And what we've seen in terms of the control, the draconian measures, throwing a blind eye, you know, when they resort to emergency acts like Zelensky resorted to the emergency act and shut down all the free press and all of his political opponents all in one fell swoop with a stroke of a pen declaring an emergent state of emergency in Ukraine. Now he's a dictator. Justin Trudeau 
uh, in Canada did the same thing against the truckers. They almost did the same thing here in America with the, the with the J six protesters, January six protesters, and they've done it with COVID in just about every liberal state you can imagine. And what was good for thee is you know uh, rules for thee, but not for me was uh, was applied. Uh, where they would walk around maskless and what have you, and who knows what kind of jab they're taking? Are they taking water? They don't. They don't need to comply. Are they taking a saline jab? Who knows, right? Who knows? So in 2009, USAID launched an early warning system for new and emerging diseases in 21 countries that was led by the University of California, Davis. One Health Institute, one of the core partners of this project was Echo Health Alliance, along with Metabiota, the Wildlife Conservative Conservation Society and the Smithsonian Institute. Huh. According to the Daily Expose, Predict predict, uh, partnered with EHA, Echo Health Alliance, to carry out a nine-year effort to catalog hundreds of thousands of biological samples, including over 10,000 bats. And you recall in Harvard, which is now uh, declared, you know, and this came out with the uh, Kajani Brown-Jackson. Uh, she sits on the board of the Harvard board that, that controls their, all the decisions made at Harvard. And uh, they are the biggest recipient of Chinese influence money. Over a billion dollars they received. So they received more money from China than any other university. And so therefore more Chinese people are are allowed to come into Harvard and steal intellectual property from the United States. Do you remember these Chinese students in Harvard were arrested for carrying materials back to Wuhan? And that was in the news, right? That happened a couple of years ago. So a 2015 study funded by Predict looked at a diversity of, of coronaviruses in bats, the publish, the publishing of this study in 2017 preceded the unveiling of the Wuhan coronavirus pandemic, which began in 2019 by just two years. Entitled Global Patterns in Coronavirus Diversity and published in the journal Virus Evolution, that paper explained how PCR assays were used to detect both known and novel, novel coronaviruses. Results of a five-year study in 20 countries of three on three continents have found that bats harbor a large diversity of coronaviruses, the family of viruses that cause severe acute respiratory syndrome coronaviruses, SARS, and Middle East respiratory syndrome coronaviruses, MERS, wrote Columbia University's Mailman School of Public Health about the research. So Columbia University published that. One of the study's 16 authors was, of course, Dezak, who we know has serious conflicts of interest pertaining to the COVID pandemic. At that time, however, Dezak falsely declared no conflicts of interest. Echo Health Alliance Executive Vice President William Kirish 
was also listed as an author. Dayzak and Koresh Companies, uh, we now know, is a longtime partner of the Wuhan Institute of Viro- Virology, which is the Fauci flu, uh, which is where the Fauci flu is believed to have escaped. Notably, the relationship between the WIV and the American Biodefense Establishment was advanced by the Echo Health Alliance Policy Director David Franz, former commander at U.S. Bioweapons Lab at Fort Detrick, further explained the expose. So that's where the Fort Detrick plate piece came in. Also, Franz was part of the investigating team, which is kind of interesting. Why would you do that? So Dr. Shi Zengli, the Batwoman, had also worked with Dayzak and Echo Health Alliance on bat-related studies. As far back as 2005, Dayzak and Zengli were conducting research on SARS-like coronaviruses in bats. Several funded studies on SARS-like coronavirus and swine flu count with count with both Zengli and Dayzak's contributions. Perhaps the most noteworthy of these is in 2015 where NIH-funded study co-authored SARS-like cluster of circulating bat coronaviruses shows a potential human emergence. So then there was the EHA whistleblower says he believes Peter Dayzak is a CIA double agent. EcoHealth is a CIA front organization. So go figure. Does that make sense to you? It does to me. Andrew Huff, a former vice president at Echo Health Alliance turned whistleblower came forward to reveal that highly dangerous gain of function research was being conducted and the funding managed by his former employer. Echo Health Alliance partners with and accepts cash from a variety of sources. Huff further revealed, including not just the National Institute of Health, Francis Collins, who's now a chief advisor for Biden and the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, Tony Fauci, but also a slew of other government agencies, private corporations, and foundations such as Google, Welcome Trust, and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. So there's a connection here with the CIA, which is something we've been saying for quite some time. We knew that Fauci was basically, you know, and I made my points this way, I, I said, basically, remember, Einstein wasn't about, he he didn't support the atomic bomb, but he was working with the Pentagon in very in a very secret operation where the atomic bomb was created with his assistance in, in, in the name of national security. And these scientists are a special breed of smart, and they're able to do certain things. So if the Pentagon wants a bioweapon, they're going to get one. And I think that they got their hands on the ones that were in Saddam Hussein's possession. And I think they also hid them and they confiscated them for themselves. But, you know, I think that uh, a lot of that technology is being used as a way to stop Russia and its tracks. And it's kind of interesting that the media keeps talking about Russia using bio and chemical weapons on Ukraine. They don't need to. 
Why would they even need to expose themselves to that kind of a war crime when they have the muscle to do it no matter what? So the idea is is that if these things get hit or if these things get altered or, or manipulated, I think that they're going to be then uh, exploded or uh, detonated to the point where they'll blame Russia. And that's how they're that's how they're trying to protect those assets. And again, the chief part of this whole conflict is that the audacity of a person like Joe Biden and our mainstream media and our socialist radical liberal left who's always been in bed with the the neo neoconservatives, the neocons to facilitate their military-industrial complex, to facilitate these wars, and to join their group, to join their, their side, and support them in this mission to, to fight against Russian communism. And if we do, we help them win. And once they win, they turn their guns on you just like they have in the past and just like they will in the future. And so I say no thank you to that because, and that doesn't make me a traitor. That just says that I look at my globalist government leadership as an enemy. Uh, I don't look at them as a friend. I look at, look at them as a foe. And that's the problem, is how do we support somebody that's been so mean to us Somebody that has called you a racist and a fascist and a Nazi and deplorable. Somebody who would spit in your face. Somebody who wishes Clarence Thomas dead. Right? Somebody who locks you up for protesting. Seizes your, seizes your account. Uh, caller, you're on the air. <laughs> Sorry about that, uh, folks. Hi, Scott. Uh, How are you? Pretty good. Yes, Scott, this is John from Illinois. You know, you, you hit on some points that are, are, I think, very salient. The same people who were calling you and me and everybody else who was white, white supremacists, five minutes ago, have gotten very quiet. Remember the first thing Lloyd Austin did when he got into the job as Secretary of Defense? They conducted a basically a witch hunt through the military for, quote, white supremacists. Then, after getting done with that, they did a vaccine purge where they went after anybody who wouldn't accept the, uh, the COVID vaccine, even though these are 20-25-year-olds who are apparently, I mean, we're told, in great shape. That's not always true, of course, but um, who are exercising and relatively healthy. And yet, it was essential to force them to take vaccines. And now it's kind of quiet right now because when the rubber hits the road, maybe it becomes obvious how irrelevant those things are but if, after this crisis is over assuming they don't uh you know force a world war over the borders of ukraine which has shifted constantly for the last 350 years or been part of russia assuming they don't start a world war over that and there is a tomorrow uh they'll go back to those same things and so yes i, I agree with you they were saying well you got to be all in on this you know two minutes of hate or two weeks of hate or two months of hate orwell style 
Uh, and then we'll come back to you and come after you. Not no, only thanks. that, but they 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 exercise their level of coercion too, because if you um, if you don't help us, you stand with Putin. If you don't help us, you're a communist. If you you're a you're a Russian uh, tool. You know, look at what look at the treatment that they're giving um, Tucker Carlson right now, because he's being pragmatic about what's going on, right? So. They're uh, censoring him on Twitter. They suspended his account for a little bit. And, uh, you know, all these things. It's like if you, you, you know, if you do, great. We, we welcome you. And if you don't, but, but they're still going to control you. And if you don't, we're going to actually ruin your life. It's, it's that choice that they give you. It's that level of coercion. I was talking to a friend yesterday and I said, I'm going to play that Dinesh D'Souza clip again where the Obama comes down on a horse and coerces somebody to give over the sandwich and talking about the wagon pullers and after a while people are going to get out of the uh, stop pulling the wagon and get back get in the wagon and get pulled by the government at some point you give up and it's a really great uh, analogy to uh, globalism socialism and and what's been going on in our country well, if you got more people in the wagon than pulling the wagon, eventually the wagon stops. Right, exactly. So, yeah. You know, and, it's and the level. other thing is calling them communists. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, is this level of um, gaslighting and, and flipping things upside down that, you know, they're trying to tell us that the woman of the year, you know, the, the woman of the year is a man. Uh, that the uh, swimmer uh, for the, the fastest swimmer is a, is a, for women is a man. Um, and then, you know, they just, they gaslight you every step of the way, you know, that up is down and black is white and so on and so forth. And, uh, they lie to us about everything and we're supposed to now believe them and trust them and because, be friends with them. Because they fashion their own reality. It's not about truth at all. And if you don't believe in truth, if you don't believe there's any kind of reality, then you are happy to engage in gaslighting because that's a psyop. If you believe that you... You, every tool is available to you, and the ends justifies the means. They will do that kind of thing, even though it's thoroughly dishonest yeah. and thoroughly wrong. You know, you, you mentioned them. Well, you know, they, by they the way, and it's the, it's the reason why Kadanji Brown, uh, Kadanji Brown Jackson, could not answer the question about whether she's a well. Did, she couldn't describe what a woman was. It's because if she did, she would actually then be spitting in the eye of all progressives. Because they don't want to define what a woman is, because they want to actually engineer this concept of non-binary. You know what I mean? Well, shouldn't well, yeah, well, there, well, wait a minute. On that level, shouldn't all laws favoring women, such as uh, female business set-asides, female business contracts, yeah. now be ruled void for vagueness? Right. Because if you can't determine well, who's a man and who's a woman, well, the law is vague and, and therefore by the way, unconstitutional. But what you just said was actually at the critical uh, is a critical component of that. You know, it's it's it that's very critical. Now that's going one way, but you could actually take that the and go the other way too. Um, when it when it suits your purpose, you could actually right. you know yeah, I, Play that I, you game. could have sex with women, but say, hey, I feel like a woman, therefore I deserve the contract, and there's no right. legal basis for you to deny it. Right. And it becomes, uh, yeah, pointless. You know, but they, they keep saying, well, you know, the communist, you know, Russia ceased communism 30 years ago. What they've got some, is something very different now. You could say that both America and Russia have forms of fascism. And fascism is basically this. 
it's it's simply extensive, really, government de facto control of industry. And I would argue we may in some ways have more of it because we really do pressure industry. to. You notice how they all go along with whatever government agenda is yeah. being pushed, whether the vaccines or something else. That's a form of fascism. That's probably, in some sense, what more governments are doing than any other kind of governing system. We certainly have strayed far right. from the Right. I think China is more communistic than Russia is. And I understand that Russia has come a long way from communism since the USSR days, CCCB days. But what I, what I, when I say communist Russia, I'm, I'm illustrating I know, the point. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, 15% income tax, flat tax. I, I wouldn't mind that. That's pretty good. 15, and they've actually deregulated a lot. Mm-hmm. It's almost a libertarian paradise. Or a, you know, a businessman's paradise in some ways there. So they've really done that. But going to the Ukraine, Kolomoisky, that guy is a corrupt, corrupt man. Absolutely. He has, he, he's a mo- basically a criminal mafia guy. He, he's Jewish, but he funds the Azov Battalion, who is, right. uh, you know, what do you call them, neo-Nazi or ultra-nationalist. They you know, who don't have any, any truck for Jews. And Zelensky's Jewish. And he, <laughs> Well, yeah. As well, yeah. Is. Well, Zelensky's a puppet because he, yeah. whatever he wants to do, they will tell him sit down and shut up because we we got the guns, we make the rules. What? But Kolomoisky, you're not supposed to. You're, apparently, Ukraine does not allow dual citizenship. They not. I, that's what I've read. And Kolomoisky's dismissive kind of uh, cynical answer is, "Well, I'm not a dual citizen. I'm a try. I'm a. I have three citizenships: Ukraine, Cyprus, and Israel." Yeah. Pinchuk also, I believe, has Israeli citizenship. And Victor Pinchuk is one of the billionaires we referred to. Yeah. Kolomoisky is reputed to have personally threatened business rivals, okay, in Ukraine. I mean, with, with physical violence. Yes. This is a thug. Now, tough guy is hiding out in Ukraine, uh, in Switzerland. Because when the Russians really came for him, it's like the mafia in Italy. When the Germans came through in World War II, those tough guys hid because they knew they were fighting an opponent who would normally be law-abiding, but now was ready to shoot them in the head, and they backed off. Same thing with this guy. This guy's hiding in Switzerland. He he probably wants to come back afterwards. That's who's backing Zelensky. How else does a comedian in in Ukraine get millions of dollars to buy places in Miami? Right. There's no other explanation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, John, thanks for calling in today, and uh, we'll see you next time on the radio. All right. Well, I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Uh, you've been listening to the Scott Adams Show. Be sure to check out scottadamshow.com for the latest podcast. Uh, also, check out the Scott Adams Show, scottadamshow.substack.com. I'll be posting a write-up on this show, source information on this show. It's all free. And again, uh, we are going to be rolling out a lot of premium content. And anybody who ro- enrolls in our s- Bring in sp- the Spring uh, promotion. Basically, if you sign up by before April 1st, uh, you'll have access to the premium content as we roll it out through the end of the year. And that's going to be nice for you. We'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. Shovel, dig a hole a little deeper just to bury my kids right up to there.